Hello and welcome to Radical Rocks. I'm your host Shane. Today we have a very exciting episode. It's packed with all kinds of information on fossils, stories about new finds and discoveries, rocks, minerals. We'll talk about... Turn this down a little bit. (laughs) We will talk about all sorts of great subjects today. We've got rock shows in Alabama, Minnesota. We've got very poor response from our computer. (laughs) We've got uh, how gemstones are made, rock hounding, peanut butter, jasper, and much, much more. I want to thank you guys for tuning into the channel. Um, It's been a busy week for me at work with uh, lots of extra tasks on account of our shutdown, but uh, we persevere and get through it. Uh, I want to thank you for going to RadicalRocks.com. RadicalRocks.com, you scroll down to the bottom of the page and you can find all of our social media links. You can find our YouTube channel links and check out our videos, which are totally different from anything else that we have. And also, we have some nice downloads on our blog that you can find. All right, scientists say outer space can be filled with gemstones. Uh, This is from News Science at the Tribune Al Inquiry. Dot com T-R-I-B-U-N-A-L-I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y.com. And the article came out on the 10th. And it says that scientists have discovered that the planet, um, it, there is an actual planet, Planet 55, is actually made of diamonds. The idea is based on the estimate and size density of the planets. However, shortly after their work was published, uh, it start to be questioned, maybe even said it was wrong. But in amidst this, they start to realize that there's got to be a lot of minerals out there in space. The universe must be filled with them. So we have found some nano diamonds or tiny diamond fragments in meteorites. Uh, we've discovered calcite in the meteorites, I believe, and other minerals, carbon, of course, iron, um, pl- or platinum, Uh, and other metals have been found. So who knows what else could be found. But uh, NASA's monthly announcement is also said that uh, we found water on Mars. So there's all sorts of discoveries in space with rocks and minerals. We've heard about glass coming from outer space. Now in dinosaur news, paleontologists, that is, Describe a new iguanodon-like dinosaur at SlasherGear.com. Shane McGullen, no relation there, uh, writes on July the 11th that researchers found this new iguanodon dinosaur about 6 to 8 meter long. Uh, He's an herbivore, and it was closely related to another species in China and Niger. And this is telling them that it is from the Creaceous period, and it has many features that are close to other dinosaurs that have found in this way, very closely related to Taximagnumsaurus, an Iguanodon galvanus, another early Creaceous uh, Iberian creature. 
These have been discovered in Spain and other areas and the Iberian chain in that area. Interesting creature. They have a picture of it here. Um, yeah, he looks like a, kind of a real small-headed uh, stegosaurus of sorts. They call it an iguanodon, but it looks more like a stegosaurus. So that is pretty cool. Now, how about a giant diamond? Man, there has been some huge diamonds discovered. Let's see if I can find that. I actually bumped into another article on diamonds in the news. This is a, a diamond with another gem trapped inside of it that was discovered in Russia at Indy the number 100.com totally unique diamond with another gem trapped inside of it discovered in Russia by Kate Plummer she wrote about this 2 days ago and this is about the size of her fist she says it looks like a russian metryashika doll which is a set of wooden dolls decreasing in size placed one inside of another this could be a very old diamond. The Yakutsk Diamond Trade Enterprise started sorting and handed it over to the Research and Development of Geological Enterprise. ALARASA is the acronym. A-L-R-O-S-A. And they believe that uh, this is a very interesting gemstone. Could be worth a lot of money. A gemstone within a gemstone. Um, diamonds. So I guess they probably looked at that with a scope or a scanner or maybe in the picture it doesn't show it defined where you can see a gemstone in a gemstone. It just looks like one gemstone. So they must have scanned it. The article does not really say how they determined that. Now the public can prospect for copper and other treasures during the UP's Mineral Days Festival at mlive.com on the 12th, it was updated about uh, Huggington, Michigan, or Huginton, Michigan. Rockhounds, here's your chance to find some true Michigan gems. They are going to open up the Kiwinashaw Mineral Days, a rare opportunity to legally prospect for minerals inside these historical or at these historical mine sites throughout the geological rich. Uh, Kiwina Peninsula from July uh, till July the 17th. So if you're over there, you better you better get over there quick because it ends at the 17th. But they have a lot of minerals. Uh, the Wolverine Mine, the Seneca Mine, the Central Mine. These are very historical mines of the area. They will have uh, access to these rock piles for circus, uh, surface collecting rather by registered participants and there are some pretty good odds that you will find a really good geological keepsake and possibly some native copper and silver. Now aside from these collecting events visitors can take advantage of surplus stores at the gym and gift show at the Seaman Mineral Museum and um, you can look that up online Go to museum.mtu.edu, and you should be able to look it up at that point right there. Okay, um, next, Minnesota Mineral Club drops admission fees for annual Rock and Gem show at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds. 
September the 25th and 26th. So you want to check out that out. It's the Minnesota Mineral Club exploring earth sciences and such. Um, they're going to have a really good rock show there with 76 tables, uh, lots of vendors, food, refreshment, fairgrounds, things like that, rocks, crystals, all of the normals things that you would see at a good rock hound or mineral lapidary show. Now what's happening in Mars? We haven't had a lot of great news in Mars um, trickling out, but the Curiosity finds patches of rocks and uh, rocks that have been erased. They are recorded for us in the essence of a picture they have here, which shows these rocks that look like they're uh, slabs uh, stacked one upon another. So there's these grooves that are in them that show erosion. They're saying that this erosion is very much evidence of water and life, so they say. Um, Mars is an extreme planet, bitter cold, high radiation, bone dry, but they think possibly billions of years ago it could have sustained some kind of life, maybe some microbi uh, microbiological life, and the lake, such as the Mars Gale Crater, they feel it slowly drew, uh, drew down and dried out, and that there's evidence that super salty water or brine seep deep through the cracks between the grains of soil and are altering the clay mineral rich layers beneath. So they feel that they will be able to dig that up and find that out. Um, but they're pretty excited about this pile of rocks here and this look of potential geological activity and uh, water, well not geological activity, but erosion from rain, water, lakes, things of that sort. So pretty cool finding. You can read that at uh, Space hmm. Space Ref. So space, S-P-A-C-E-R-E-F dot com. And the article is a press relief posted on the 11th. Curiosity finds patches of rock record erased, revealing clues. Alabama in the news. Alabama uh, has some fossil expeditions that were just kicked off for Shark Week. You go to Alabama WX.com, Alabama WX.com. It's the weather blog. And uh, Jamin Smith from the University of Alabama tells us that uh, you wouldn't really expect to see fossilized shark teeth in a landlocked state like that, but yet they can find them there. And um, there's a picture of a couple, a young person with potentially her father looking for some uh, shark teeth here. And they don't tell you exactly where it's at, but uh, you should be able to look that up and dig up ancient shark teeth in Alabama if that's something you're interested in. All right, next, the dinosaur identified as Japan's largest uh, orthopod is the Hadrosauridia. And this is from the late Creaceous period. It's another kind of... Uh, Seropod that looks kind of like a stegosaurus without any of the plates or anything. 
Um, they show it walking here, possibly on its uh, hind and maybe even its front legs. And um, they feel that this was about a nine meter long dinosaur, one of the largest in Japan and possibly a new species, although other things similar to that have been found uh, in other areas. This one was found in Nagasaki Peninsula in the city of Nagasaki. So pretty interesting here. Um, it is it, parts of the fossil uh, has a thorax which is in near perfect condition. And there's a bone from the left side shoulder blade, and that's how they gauge its size. This was a herbivore, uh, lived in the Creaceous period. Again, they repeat that, um, and you can read about that if you want at the Asia. Well, it's a s a h i dot com. You can read about that by. Kishoki and Zena on July the 13th. That is a tricky name. Now, what about the rocks of Lakendorp Dorb? And uh, this is on the 14th from odt.co.nz. You can find out all about these rocks. Now, these boulders are huge and they're very rounded. They feel that these rocks were moved around um, by. Uh, you know, huge water or maybe glaciers, and then deposited throughout these areas, which are in New Zealand. Uh, New Zealand happens to have some of the oldest sedimentary rocks, and some of these rocks have actually become um, yard pieces for people that take great, great pride in these rocks that just sit here and there throughout the countryside. Um, there's one picture of a cow behind one, and it is slightly taller than the cow, but you can still see the cow's rear end. <coughs> Excuse me, you can see his head peeking around the corner. Kind of cute. So if you want to find out more about these uh, and how they're coming up with the explanation of these uh, rocks, <clears throat> you can read all about it. It is quite lengthy. And uh, they show you several pictures of these giant round rocks that have been deposited here. In New Zealand, you, again, odt.co.nz.com, and you can find out more about that. Now, a mystery buyer buys a 101-carat diamond, and uh, kind of interesting because he pays for it with this cryptocurrency. This has happened a couple times. People are buying these rare gemstones um, kind of under an enemy, um, you know, being anonymously. At least I can say that one right. Uh, doing it anonymously, they paid over $12.3 million and paid for it, and all with cryptocurrency. Um, Sotheby's would not uh, let you know who did it. They did not disclose that. Disclose that. It's a pear-shaped diamond dubbed the Key 10138, and it is purchased by an anonymous purchaser with cryptocurrency. Nothing like that has happened before. Buying a gemstone of that size and weight and paying for it with a cryptocurrency. So that's a first. New dinosaur species found in China named after the cartoon character Dora Dora Mon's best buddy Nobita. So I am not familiar with Nobita, but there's a picture of this character here. It looks like a male character with big big eyes 
and a uh, sideways question mark type smile and some uh, black hair cut uh, fairly short. And it says the, si the dinosaur, again, believed this was a predatory animal from the Creaceous period. And they named it um, Doriumman because this cartoon character helped introduce children to dinosaurs in some of the episodes. So they thought this would be a good tribute to um, doing that and being able to uh, uh, pass that on to children. It was written by Kevin McSpadden, and it can be found at scmp.com, New Dinosaur Species Found in China, named after popular cartoon character Dorman's best buddy, Norbita. And um, the actual animal here... They have a picture of her with a fossil. It almost looks just kind of like a handprint. It is a footprint. And um, they don't tell you much else. Um, they tell you that these dinosaurs did travel through China. And they found footprints all through different areas of southwest China that they believe belonged to the predatory dinosaur um, from this particular species. So yes, this is the fossil they found. It's actually a footprint fossil. Um, and they go into it quite some detail. There's pictures of it here. It's clearly a fossil, uh, imprint. So it looks like the actual hand itself as they, um, took it apart. But, uh, quite a bit here on that. If you want to find out more about this interesting find, now, this mega diamond that we were talking about, mega diamonds are in the news all the time. And there's a picture here of this mine in Botswana. And this thing, if you go to the wire.in um, on uh, the 14th, the article came in this Caro mine in Botswana, they found a staggering diamond weighing 1,178 carats. In fact, they feel that it might have been even bigger because the similar diamonds around it were 471 carat, 218 carat, and 159 carat. They believe the original diamond could have been some 2,000 carats when it was first formed. Um, interestingly, the way diamonds are formed is deep down in the earth, and uh, they're later pushed up. And when they're pushed up, sometimes they are damaged. They're ground up smaller. Um, so finding them really huge is actually quite difficult. And of a gemstone quality is actually quite difficult. These holes go down uh, miles into the earth where it is super hot and extreme heat and not enough oxygen in these kimberlite pipes, which is a carrot-shaped columns of rocks often 10 meters across and goes very deep to the, its source, such as the cone of a volcano. Um, underneath this huge amount of pressure, the diamonds were formed deep, deep in the earth and brought up by these kimber uh, tubes. Now, how gems are mined, uh, another article on the culturechronicle.com. You can look this up, how gems are mined, different techniques of gemstone mining, not going to go into that too much. We've done this before. It talks about underground mining, pit mining, river mining, and sea mining in a little bit of detail. Um, all these 
techniques we've talked about. Underground mining, you have tunneling, chambering, block carving. Um, of course, river digging is panning and screening and sluicing and mining in the sea would take uh, dredges to pull that up and clean them up. You know, there's pearl and other minerals that can be found in the sea. Now, rock hounding for glowing rocks. In the news again, our friend Eric Rintamaki with his Uperite series. There's a nice video there if you want to find out about these glowing rocks um, for rock hounds. The story's by Andrew Kerheffer, written on the 9th of this month. And um, he talks about these little rocks that are found at Lake Superior by uh, Eric Rintamaki and how he came about naming them um, Uperlites and all about them and how they glow and why they glow. It's a sodalite, where this rock originated from and how it's actually a new gemstone there in his state. Um, and he is credited with discovering it. So pretty exciting. You can check that out again at wjfw.com. Uperlite series, Y-O-O-P-E-R-L-I-T-E, and find out all about the glowing gemstones of Uperite. Now our last story for today is going to be Mexican Peanut Obsidian. This is from our friends at Rock and Gem. They emailed it to me. Uh, anybody can get on their email list. It's Tani Rahan, and it is on July the 1st. And they've got one here that looks like flowers. It's a heart-shaped cabochon, and it looks like beautiful, um, almost like poppies, flowers, um, but double poppies, not just a single poppy, like a double poppy Um with a black background, a golden and brown flower. that is just really spectacular. You've got to check this out. Rock, the letter N, and Jim, and look up for this uh, peanut, uh, Mexican peanut obsidian. I think I, I called it Jasper in the beginning, but it's actually an obsidian. I thought maybe it would be about mahogany obsidian, but this is completely different, guys. Completely different. Um, Russ... Canuth wrote the article. He says Mexican peanut obsidian was discovered in the 1960s at Alamos, Sonora in Mexico. It has become very scarce. Um, it is a lapidary favorite for many years, even though I've never seen it. Um, it is considered an orbicular stone or something that resembles flowery patterns. This is definitely the latter, flowery. And peanut obsidian has all that and more. Though it's not exactly obsidian, it's perlite with spirudels in it, spirudolites in it. So spirudolites are radiating crystals of feldspar in this situation and tinted by hematite. Uh, it gives that cat's eye appearance if it's cut properly and polished, um, uh, cationic, and the matrix is is black, as we said, and there can be banding. And these uh, spirudels are reddish, usually, or orange. They're usually round, but they have seen some that show different directions and flowery patterns, which is exceedingly rare and very valuable. Um, they have tips for purchasing here and uh, saying to the all-black matrix tends to be very solid. Um, so that indicates that if it's not a lot of black, then it might not be that solid. Um, 
it says the the edges have been exposed to the soil. It can soften the perlite and sprudels to a point where you can pop some of them out with your hands. Yike. So we don't we don't want to get stuff like that. Once you slab the material, portions are generally stable, have minimum fracturing. If you see spiderweb fracturing, they usually are not deep. Of course, then you could use a hardening technique, which I have a video on how to harden and stabilize, which also works for filling cracks. Be cautious um, doing any tests, you know, like tapping on it or whatever. You might break it worse. But once you make orbs and cabs, um, it's really going to be something pretty. So they talk about cabbing it. They say wear eye protection. Of course, uh, you would not want to do this dry because that dust it could give you sicilic poisoning. Um, it's pretty soft. It's about seven. Obsidian's typically about seven on the hardness scale. He starts with an 80 grit diamond wheel. Um, I would probably start with something even finer. He moves to 140 or 220 grit and then continues on down to a 14,000 grit wheel. That's the trick with obsidian. You've got to have these super, super fine, fine grits to get that mirror polish. You will see every little scratch in obsidian. So if you're going to work with obsidian and you don't have the super fine, fine 1400 or even 3200 grit wheels, soft wheels, I would not advise um, uh, believing you're going to have a, a perfect, excellent uh, results from it. So this is about it. I was going to do some on the mining of the High Sierras, but I have a lot of things to do today, folks. So I'm going to let you go and thank you for stopping in and ask you again. Please like, share, subscribe, check out our channel. Uh, our our uh, main internet site, uh, RadicalRocks.com. And thank you. Remember, rockhounds don't die. They... Yes, you know it, they petrify.